Carefree Black Nerd is available on iTunes and SoundCloud and carefreeblacknerd.com. Please rate and review on iTunes, like, share, and comment on SoundCloud. Of course, let's keep this conversation going. Live tweet with me when you're listening to these episodes. Give me a quick little live tweet. Stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky. Yeah, that's that. (laughs) Welcome to the Carefree Black Nerd Podcast, a conversation about the importance of representation in comics and related media. I'm your host, Brian Coleman, and this is issue number 16. Ah, let's see, issue number 16. I've made it all the way here (laughs) after humble beginnings, Um, and I'd like to do something a little special for my super sweet 16 um 16th issue i would like to take this time out to thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you everyone for your listens for your shout outs for your tweets likes retweets and reviews it uh shit just ah i'm so grateful for everything that i've all the amount of love i've received from um from everyone and uh just from talking into a microphone and hoping that someone hears it and likes something or takes something from uh the nonsense that i spit (laughs) every week um i am filled with so much black boy joy every time i see my phone notifications popping off (laughs) i got a new uh retweet or something on instagram or you know somebody didn't gave a five-star review or shit just a text from i don't know someone saying hey i heard your new episode so i do again i do appreciate it and i thank you all thank you all um i know 16 is not traditionally a milestone i guess and um pretty much anything but becoming 16 years old but um this is a big deal for me, uh, and I'd like to change things up a little bit for this issue. By now, it should be common knowledge. Everyone under the sound of my voice should know that I am obsessed with and I love, love, love Generation X, the 90s team um, from from Marvel, the 90s multicultural team. And uh, because of which, I'd like to dedicate this giant-sized issue to my love of Generation X. (laughs) Um, Let me see. How do I start? Well, I guess for anyone who doesn't know who the team is or much about them, um, Generation X, of course, is a fictional superhero team. Um, They're part of Marvel Comics. They are um, a spinoff of the X-Men. Uh, they were created by Scott Lobdell and Chris Pachalo. Scott, the writer, and Chris uh, being the artist. Generation X debuted in the 1994, and I, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, Phalanx <laughs> Covenant. <laughs> it was a, um, a X-Men storyline, and uh, that's actually where I first, well, no, yeah, I think it is. I think that's where I first um, encountered Generation X was in that storyline. Um, but Generation X is the first series that I followed closely. Like, I picked up X-Men comics, but, of course, me being a child born in the 80s, when I started picking up comics, X-Men had already had decades of um, content, so I didn't start from the beginning. So anything I collected was merely trying to piece together what I missed and, you know, kind of go from there. Um, with that being said, Generation X came around and because I was there kind of in the birth of Generation X on the pages, that became my X-Men team. They are um, a team of teenage mutants who were initially designed to reflect the complexities of the actual Generation X in the real world, the Generation Xers, um, that particular demographic um it wasn't like the new mutants and it wasn't like x-men this group was not uh mentored by professor xavier which even when i was a kid and i watched the animated series and i read the comics i knew he was read as the good guy and i enjoyed 
reading and watching him, but I never really cared too much for Professor X. He wasn't, he's never been that compelling to me. And so, um, getting this new team that were closer in age to me and they had, um, different leaders, which they had Banshee, a former X-Man and white queen, who at the time was just a former evil villainous, um, that man that made for some very interesting stories and i ride or die to the day i die anybody asks me uh who's your favorite team <laughs> who's your favorite comic what's your favorite comic it's always 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 going to be generation x period um i mean never say never that could change but i highly doubt it excuse me um so yeah um this issue number 16 is dedicated to my love of the red and gold or red and yellow uh, Generation X. It is, um, it's a, it was a monthly series that started in the 90s. Um, it ended in 2001. Yeah. Um, but the original creators, Scott and Chris, left, um, back in 1997. And this is a funny thing, my relationship with Generation X. I loved that series and I enjoyed it in the very beginning. The more as they went on, the storylines got kind of weird. The artwork was not always up to my liking, but I just couldn't, I couldn't turn it down. It was always my, my team. So I'll eventually get around to, <sighs> developing a show that is specifically for my love of generation x i'll probably like go through i don't know the um the history the issues from 1997 all the way into its horrible ending in 2001 um yeah so that's that uh i think this is a better time than any to take a quick little break um yeah and i'll be right back Welcome to Riverdale. Welcome to Riverdale is a carefree black nerd review show. God damn it, Betty. If you like this boy, you live right next door to him. Shake him. She cut this boy down from the top of his orange head to the bottom of his uh, converse. She was not playing, and I am all here for it. Get that ass, Josie. He turns to her and says, um, oh, is cheerleading still a thing? Whereas her response to him, which made me fall, fall out of my seat, was, oh, is being the gay best friend still a thing? Um, and she says, oh, you can take the both of us. And Veronica's like, Bitch, what? <laughs> the both of us, uh, bruh, this is for you. So, for me, when it comes out that this is this love triangle, it was essentially instigated by, um, Betty. Okay, welcome back. Um, I'm going to do something a little different. I want to dive into the 16th issue of Generation X, since this is my 16th issue of Carefree Black Nerd. Um, in this issue, it is actually the end of an arc. And um, it's one of my one of the issues that when I think about reading these comics as a kid, it's one of the ones that stood out to me, which is you know, appropriate that it is issue 16, but, um, I want to say I was probably like eight or nine when this came out and the artwork was great. Well, the cover artwork I loved, didn't care too much about the, <laughs> the interiors when I was a kid, but that's mainly because I was so used to Chris Bachalo on pencils. Um, because I wasn't, I was collecting the comic. I don't think I was collecting it monthly consistently, but I did end up with every issue. Uh, but as a kid, I would constantly reread the books. And Chris Bachalo being the first artist on this book, I've gotten so used to his work that my definitive looks for Generation X were always a Chris Bachalo. Even to this day, um, He's the reason why I'm even reading um, Doctor Strange. Like, Doctor Strange is cool and all, but if it wasn't for his artwork, 
or him being attached to that book, I doubt I would have started picking that up last year. But um, Generation X number 16 uh, was back from in the 90s in June. <laughs> and the cover art, the cover art is one of my favorite images, but it suffers from what a lot of um, a lot of comics suffer from way back then is that Zine's children are drawn like fully grown muscle bound adults so when i was a kid and i was reading this i i knew they were at a school but i also remember seeing the x-men animated series and knowing that they were at the xavier like school base so with them being adults there i I always they always look like adults to me and body and everything and they look like every other comic book character but i couldn't reconcile with my brain that these were like 14 15 year olds and if you see this cover which i'll probably put on my instagram or on the show notes it is pretty clear uh, that these are not or it can be assumed that these are not children um but all that aside this is a cover i i, I love but um on the cover is sync infected by the implate vampire who i spoke about last issue the one who uh went after blink and feeds off of the bone marrow of mutants him fighting against jubilee m and husk and then in the background there's the headmaster banshee um in this issue around this time i believe every generation x member showed up in this issue but these four the four students uh are the main focus of this issue um, this is the tail end of an arc. Um, the I guess the most important thing to know, kind of for backstory, is that Implate, the mutant, the vampire mutant, has infected Sink, and they're in St. Louis in Sink's hometown, and they're there. Him being infected, he's now fighting against M, Jubilee, and Husk, three of his uh, female teammates. Uh, let's see. This is. This issue is entitled Out of Sync. It's written by, well, scripted by Todd DeZago, but um, Scott Lobdell put the plot together. Tom Grumet was uh, on pencils, and Al Milgram is the inker. In here, it's pretty much, it's the tail end of an arc, but you can mm, treat this as a one-shot as well. Uh, because much like the Stan Lee idea that everybody's comic is somebody's first comic, there's not a lot of backstory to be had that you absolutely need to follow this story. But at the same time, the the plot is kind of summed up, weaved in effortlessly in and, in and out of the dialogue and uh, and the little. Um, what is it the little boxes the narrator boxes um this is back in the mid 90s that this came out and one thing i'll say is white queen emma frost was usually drawn very scantily clad or she's known for being not the most not the most clothed (laughs) she um They've done a really good job, this artist, specifically Tom Grumet, with dressing her, keeping her white queen attire, but uh, keeping her pretty pretty covered up. And even as a kid, I would look at some of her outfits, I'm like, well, how is she the teacher at a school <laughs> with all these kids, male and female, it doesn't matter the sex of the child, but you're here with all these children and get you dressed like a burlesque or, you know, a a private dancer <laughs> I never understood that but um in this issue we start off with her and Banshee flying through the sky uh, more specifically Banshee is using his mutant power his sonic scream to um to head towards the fight that's going on now because currently Sink is fighting M Husk and uh, Jubilee Emma stops or she tells him psychically to stop He's arguing against her, like, okay, why would I stop? We're trying to get to this fight. We can't afford to lose time. And she has to use her powers against him. Even though she's a former villain, and she's even now kind of, in, in this at this time period, read as 
a reformed villain, but she her personality hasn't changed. She's still smug and sarcastic and and sassy and snap at you in a heartbeat. But you can tell that um, this is when she uses her powers against him. It's like a necessary evil. Like there's a there's the time clock. This isn't the time to um, kind of have a debate back and forth on what they should and should not do. And that's the thing that I always thought was weird when you're dealing with psychics and telepaths and on your team when yes you want to question orders and yes you want to um i don't know make sure that everyone's on the same page but i would think that when you're dealing with like a telepath some things need to be taken as gospel right away just like if you have a healer on your team and you don't want to be careless with your fighting but knowing you have a healer on your team can probably give you that extra oomph to like kind of let loose knowing that you can be restored if something happens so i don't know i don't know i thought that was odd but she lets them know you know we need to stop here because the nature of sink's powers is he sinks in with your um genetic your mutant aura and can tap into your talents and your power kind of like how implate does but implate is a vampire where sink is just his natural ability once he does that he's able to uh, mimic your ability and it was shown later on in the in the generation x run that he was able to kind of alter your powers in ways that you may not have thought or haven't done before at this point he's not there yet but um it's just safer for the headmasters to stay away from the fight and that's one thing i liked about this is that this is a school generation x is a school with mutants who is run by a former X-Men and a former villain who are also mutants. The point of it is to house these young mutants, train them in the use of their powers, uh, you know, give them world experience and make sure that they, you know, graduate essentially at the end of the day. Well, one thing I liked about this is that the teachers who are both powerful in their own right are because of their very power taken out of the fight early early on like you you aren't even allowed to you know put your bet in mainly because sink's powers would allow him to tap into theirs and their degree of uh or their level of power can be tapped in from him as well so it's much safer to even though it's not the your favorite option to have these three young girls fight this possessed teammate on their own because again if you have super strength and you're fighting someone who can match your strength you stand a better chance knowing your own limitations well if i'm fighting you and i have super strength and all of a sudden you hit me with a sonic scream something i wasn't expecting because our teacher has this power and you can sink in with his aura that makes it worse for me now the likelihood of me dying is no longer 50 50 now it's been skyrocketed and i'm at you know i'm the one with the short end of the stick so i like how quickly emma recognized that and how quickly she shut it down uh and that's mainly because even if they got to the fight to help the girls out sink's powers you don't have to be directly next to him like he can i don't know the vicinity but it's close we'll just say it's a mile it's a mile vicinity so if he's fighting you they're flying towards him soon as they reach his aura he's snapping into that power and he's using it against these girls because he's trying to infect them and feed on them as he was fed on and so like i said knocking out the the two authority figures right away and leaving the girls to their own devices i thought was so good because even though this team is half and half half boys half girls do you still allow these girls to shine on their own without any without any help needing any help from anyone but each other and then um it also gives you room to play with these are children who have been taught how to do certain things so now this isn't an instance where we put you in the danger room or the danger grotto and you fight you know these sentinels or these beings under supervision like you're out in the field now you we got to see 
this is a way to it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of your midterm finals or whatever like you what are you going to do in this situation now that we cannot help you us helping you would only hurt you so that was that was pretty good and with me growing up watching the x-men animated series and then um like seeing them fight in the danger room and fight sentinels and everything and then reading through the x-men comics this is one of those times where um and it may not be that different from Xavier and the X-Men, their relationship, but this was something that stood out to me where when reading it, I can remember enjoying this issue because it wasn't, um, it wasn't like the the headmasters sent the girls out and told them to fight or they um, dropped them off somewhere or sent them on a mission. It was that this was something that occurred naturally that they had to take care of on their own. So it's kind of like seeing these kids kind of grow up and take care of themselves and not have that safety net of, oh, my uh, my teacher's nearby, so, you know, I can always get help from him. And that raised the stakes for me as a kid and me like identifying with these kids because these were my definitive x-men not the new mutants not the x-men not the x-force and x-factor these were my x-men so i thoroughly enjoyed that and to take the teachers out of the game like in the first four the four pages of the issue phenomenal and it didn't seem unnatural either because you could have easily like found a way to have emma frost use her psychic telepathic powers from out of the vicinity of sync's um mutant power and just like knock them out but then it's like okay one you have no issue left and then two you're at that point relying on the authority figures who have this established decades of history in the marvel universe to take care of something well you can't build a team like that so you know (laughs) good job scott labdale with this plot good job um once we get into the fight though one one thing that I thoroughly appreciated is that there's a fight going on. The girls are holding their own. They're trying to reason with him. You could tell that they're pulling their punches. They're holding back because even though they're fighting this vampiric demon inside of their friend, it's still their friend. And uh, they're in St. Louis. And this is where Sink is from. This is his hometown. And um, him and Jubilee, out of everyone, have the most personal friendly familiar relationship with each other and it's like killing her that she has to fight with her friend it's killing everyone because this is their teammate and friend but it's like this is her best friend at this point they don't have like a romantic dealings with each other they're kind of best friends brotherly sisterly whatever but out of all of the characters oh no i can't say that because Paige has a good relationship with her family as well but he is um kind of an anomaly at this point because he is a mutant whose power manifested and his family accepted him they still held on to him um he wasn't thrown out on the street or attacked but he also has the privilege of presenting as just a regular african-american guy the nature of his power um is such that he he can tap into any power and still appear as himself. You know, he doesn't um, have to take on the characteristics of someone who doesn't present as human. So, like the Beast, to my understanding, if he's next to the Beast, he doesn't have to take on that visual mutation. But all the other talents are there. So, that kind of softens the blow of oh my child is a mutant when well he still looks just like everyone else he still looks how he has my his entire life or since i birthed him or whatever um but in this this fight there is that constant back and forth and um, um a little aside this is back when there were thought bubbles man do i miss these thought bubbles um because you get that inner dialogue and i think personally i feel like they did a really good job at weaving in the thought bubbles with the rest of the script where it wasn't something that took you out of it it wasn't like oh my god i can't believe i'm fighting him this is my best friend i've loved him for all my life and it like it wasn't this extreme 
unnecessary kind of um, rehashing of prior issues. This was simply um, like cause the first one we get here is uh, from Jubilee during the fight when she's like, come on, Eve, I know you can do it. Um, you're the only one who puts up with me unconditionally. You've got to fight. you got to lose it. You can't lose this battle. So it's like her in the midst of this fighting, you you can see how desperate she is on a whole nother level to get him back to normal and it doesn't come off as selfish even though she says you know you're the only one who puts up with me no matter what it's to me that didn't read as selfish it read as i desperately need this person in my life and um at that point because prior to that she says you know you're where your family where your friends don't kill us that stops them so it, it it shows that even though the stakes are higher and he has this immense power and he's like a predator at this point there is still some of the original sink within him fighting this beast so he uses their powers blinds them momentarily and and escapes like puts distance between the two of them or the the four the four of them and this is where i um this is what what makes the story kind of the best for me uh m is flying husk at this point has um ripped her skin with her being a metamorph she shed it on her skin and now she's a a metal form and uh and jubilee's just in her traditional jacket when it's when the smoke clears and we see that sink has left and they're trying to come up with a plan page decides okay this is what we're gonna do jubilee stops her and she uh comes up with a plan she says i'm not going after him and i think you two should split up saying that m whose powers are more physical um she can fly she has super strength uh m <coughs> excuse me husk should take the lead and then M, you get further away because he can't sink into your powers as easily because you can fly. You can fly at high speeds. Um, and then with Jubilee being the only person with a power that um, can be projected, she says she wants to stay behind because if he can't sync up with her, now all he has is something physical. And it, it, it um, again, dec- decreases the percentage that they're going to die and it puts you back on equal footing. What I like about this page is that people tend to forget that Jubilee has been part of the X-Men forever, for decades. So when she was initially put on this Generation X team, it was not, she wasn't happy about it. And how could you be when you've ran around with Cyclops and Phoenix and Storm and Gambit and Wolverine for all this time, then you're kind of benched onto the kids, into kids' table. People forget that she has had all this experience, and this is one of the instances in which they've used Jubilee in what I feel like is the best way as a leader, not as this childish valley girl. Okay, that trope was cute back in the 80s and 90s, but now she's a more fleshed out character with decades worth of history. Like, use her. (laughs) Don't allow her to just be this, I don't know, caricature of herself. Like, she is, she's smart. And so, um, from there, we do kind of an aside to the B-plot where Chamber and Skin are back at the school. They get a knock on the door, some guy coming for a job. They slam the door, tell him he has the job because these are the two Generation X members who are most physically altered by their abilities. Skin has six extra feet of skin. He's a Hispanic guy, um whose skin has turned from flesh color to gray and now it's elongated kind of like mr fantastic if he had no control over his powers um chamber on the other hand has psionic psychic energy that when he um hit puberty and his powers came on it erupted from his chest so from his belly button to his nose it's all gaping psychic energy like it looks like fire well they're trying to bandage him up because <laughs> at this at this point in the story back in I believe this is 95 or 96 um 
me see what happened in the larger Marvel universe. There, uh, how are you doing? You look good to me, buddy. Okay, wait. Oh, I can't. I don't remember. Oh, forgive me. I don't remember what was going on. Um, but after his altercate run in with the uh, X-Men and Gateway and whatever, the backstory isn't really important for this particular issue. But essentially what this establishes is that Skin and Chamber need to get the Charles Xavier to help Chamber. Like he, he has no control over his powers at this point and they're doing their best to get him to safety. That's all you really need to know. Um, after that, we find out that Sink actually didn't, um, he didn't run away. He ran uh, below. <laughs> he is, uh, no, 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 I'm sorry. He did run away, but he ran away and ran below as well. He went into the, the basement, like the boiler room, a few blocks away from where they were initially. And this, again, is why I like Thought Bubbles, because here we have, visually, with nothing on the page, you can tell that Sink is kind of going through something. He's um, looking at the vampire mobs on his hands, trying to figure out, okay either how to get away how to end it all or how to reverse what's going on but with the thought bubbles you're able to get his inner dialogue and it is not like i said to me it reads as a very seamless natural progression of what would actually happen it's not this way to just add in some dialogue like it's 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 i'll just i'll just read read a couple uh a couple lines here we see him burst through the doors uh, in the basement boiler room and he's kind of uh, feeling sorry for himself and he says um, I can't fight this in place will is too strong I've done everything I can to control it but but I can feel it I can feel it inside of me this need this need to feed uh, maybe maybe I should end it here before before I really hurt someone and it's like uh, I don't know. You just you just don't get comics like this anymore. <laughs> but um, needless to say, Husk with her physical metal form shows up and she's like, look, if you think about throwing yourself in that furnace, I ain't going to have it. That ain't no option. We came here to get you back. And so for a second, he's himself again. And he, he calls out to her, Paige, which is her name, Paige Gunther. Paige, he said, I, I just, I, and then... The beast takes over. I told you what I'd do if I found you. And he leaps at her. Um, he leaps at her. And then we kind of cut to Jubilee. And she wants to. She wants to go and. And be more active. Like she wants to engage in the fight. Because now she kind of feels. She's second guessing herself. Like okay. Um, now I need to be there. Well I failed to mention before. That one of. Uh, Sink's uh, janitors or janitor friends from back before he became a mutant they're there with him and he's like look I don't know much about this mutant shit but what I do know is that you made a decision you told them girls to go off and fight without you you uh, you thought it was the right decision at the time you need to stay here and it's like man that's, that's I don't know that's it's <laughs> this is just good storytelling um then we see this ominous scene of Sink standing over Paige's like limp, lifeless metal body, and he's um about to attack her. And then you know the janitor guy they finish off his dialogue, which is that besides you know the ever Thomas I know wouldn't hurt a fly. And it's like dang, how the way the shadow is falling over his top half with these like evil angry eyes it's like man this was just amazing artwork amazing storytelling like this this little sequence this is why this is one of my favorite issues well we come to find out that of course Paige was just playing possum and she like instantly kind of did the little leg sweep knocked uh sink onto his feet and she's telling him look i'm sorry but we ain't going nowhere without you and it's like man this determination that these people have to take care of each other even when they're mm, so close to possibly being murdered or transformed into some demon or some beast is just ah 
it's and again <laughs> this is a comic book it is melodramatic it's drama and action everywhere but this is my definitive x-men this is my definitive comic book period or comic book team and i grew up so i must i have to admit that i probably have more emotion and nostalgia attached to this than most but there's no denying all biases aside that this was a good issue um let's see uh yeah they engage in this fight it's a gruesome violent fight where changes are being made husk is pulling her skin off revealing her metal form like this was just a good a good battle um and then we kind of um let's see we uh cut back to the adults the headmasters where they are uh white cream white cream white queen has been knocked across the uh the rooftop where they where they uh stopped at so that they wouldn't enter the fight and she's saying it's not me you know i'm she's trying to she's trying to connect with one of the students from far away page is mine while she's fighting sink didn't prove to be a smart idea for her but then that's kind of foreshadowing that's what the hell she get because throughout the run of generation x white queen has on several different occasions just entered the minds of the students and other you know and other people and i'm like that that's the one issue with telepaths that they seem to have no no boundaries no um concept of personal space be it physical or mental because they are into your mind and try to read your thoughts and quote-unquote fix something in a heartbeat but um now the page is down for the count sync is finally while being taken over by you know the virus or the demon or whatever he's trying to feed on page well he's got that inner dialogue that inner fight again so the next you know couple panels we see him fighting with himself to not harm his teammates and this is uh coming up is the second reason why i love this issue well um m shows up and they're arguing um he tells her, man, you shouldn't have come down here. She's like, uh-huh, okay, yeah, if you say so. He's like, look, don't you see what your brother has done to me? At this point, it has been revealed that M-Plate, uh, the vampire, is M's brother. He's about to hit her. And, oh, she's standing here, and this is so cinematic to me. She's standing here, and she's like, look, if you're going to fight me, then sync up with my powers and fight me. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I already did that. She says, no, no, you haven't. That's the after effects of my mutant power. Try again. Push yourself. And this, um, these few panels, <laughs> this is so intense. And you're reading this back and forth where her facial features, everything says, like, we're going to stay here and fight. We're going to end this tonight. There is no, um, either you did or you coming home with us healed like there is no no other options but she says push yourself learn why my brother was never able to feast on me uh, uh and once he does <laughs> once he does this is written so well and uh <laughs> the image that you see is of this demon virus or whatever it's classified as leaving his body and he's screaming in pain but uh it's <laughs> he's down on his knees in pain in front of her she's standing there towering over him knowing that she's won this battle without lifting a finger he's looking for um he's looking within her with his powers trying to feed on her and that's the thing he my understanding reading this issue he latched on to her mutant powers right away like superficially where he could fly he had her super strength but there is there's him doing it with his powers and then there's him doing it with the implant infection um and in the marvel universe i don't know if this is just a set thing with siblings which i doubt but like with cyclops and havoc their brothers and their powers don't work against each other but i believe like quicksilver and um scarlet witch there's wood so i don't want to say it's canon that siblings can't harm each other but this particular 
family, the St. Croix family, is all kinds of fucked up. They're a little bit more um, organized than the Summers family tree and complications and stuff, but they have a lot of shit going on that is um, that ends up being discovered throughout the course of the Generation X run, but boy, you... <sighs> You think the summers are fucked up? These folks is fucked up. But after he syncs up with her and she makes him push himself to um, kind of consume all of her abilities, he's knocked out cold. And um, then we cut back to the headmasters on the roof. White Queen tells Banshee it's over. The fight is over. Then Elm shows up with Paige wrapped up in her coat because Paige is return to her human form but she has no clothes on she also returns with sync and um jubilee shows up and they're like okay this is this is over with finally it's over and done we gotta get out of here and um let me see it's like a, a nice little uh kind of happy ending but it's sad because now sync is questioning himself because it's like oh how did i allow this to take me over where motherfucker you had no control over that you were attacked and it's just something that happened but he has that remorse that you know i tried to kill my friends um and the way this ends the white queen says uh for some reason i don't think sink is the one we have to worry about anymore then they flash to m and she says i think we need to figure out what we're going to do about m and at this point um in generation x she's been going into these catatonic stupors where she it's like in a trance and um if she was a regular person or any other mutant it'd be okay because she could zone out and you could just pick her up and you know take her to her room or you know make sure she's out of harm's way but because one of her mutant abilities is this superior strength she's unmovable once she blinks out and she's not there anymore she's not her regular self you there's no way to move her which you know foreshadowing is part of the reason why um sync could not sync up with her completely uh all in all that's essentially the end of this issue and i thoroughly enjoyed it like i'm still reading through it now it still reads just as well as it did when i was a kid it is the end of an arc, so, you know, you might not be as satisfied as I was with it, but I'm always down to talk about Generation X, so, there, deal with it. <laughs> but no, the art was amazing, the cover art is phenomenal, um, I really suggest that everyone get into Generation X, period. I don't care what kind of comics you like, pick up one or two of these issues and read through it and see, um another iteration of the x-men and what they could be and what they have been before um man before this before i get to issue 50 of this podcast i'm trying to convince every single person under the sound of my voice to love generation x just as i do shoot <laughs> man By morning, everyone knew about the killing, and by fifth period, the next day, the first arrest had been made, which of course leads us to the ending, which is who done it, which is um I don't know. So we got Cheryl as a 50/50 number one, then I have a Polly as a more likely, and then Mommy Cooper, Mommy Dearest Cooper, <laughs> um, and then Betty coming in at a close fourth. Um, who else? I don't think anybody else hated Jason. So I'm going to stop there. Alright, well. <laughs> um, Let's see. Generation X. Oh my god. My favorite story. <laughs> of course, I know you're getting tired of hearing it, but... I will deal with it. Shit. <laughs> um, this book is one that could be used, I think, more effectively than like the New Mutants or the X Men's from before, 
mainly because it is built off of this being a school and not a training ground for like this new generation of X-Men. True enough, that's a goal that you could have and a goal that you could reach, uh, something you can inspire to be. But Generation X was always about the kids, their protection, and being at a school and having a pretty functioning um, kind of relationship with each other and with the world around them. Um, I, Given me the, uh, the reins to reboot this series... Give you a quick look, carefree black nerd uh, copyright. Let me take over this dang on book. Um, and it me, I can't make anything simple. <laughs> so instead of just having this one idea of a team book, I've had countless ideas on how to rebrand this um, this particular title to the point where I had you know a school in Wakanda, a school in uh in New York, a school in Canada, a school in Utopia. Um you know, I've had different tactical teams and like it's just been this whole big thing. But all in all, you get a book to me and we return to business as usual, a school campus environment, a boarding school uh named after and ran by Jubilee. Because I feel like at this point, Jubilee has been through so many different um, different trials and tribulations in her own life, second to her mutant power. Not to mention all of the things that she's been through with her mutant power. I think now in current continuity, she's a vampire. And I'm like, you know... How do we go from the Valley, uh, the Valley Girl Mall Rat back in the 80s to now being a vampire? But that's not even something I'm going to argue with. Let her remain a vampire, but I want her in charge of this school. I want the Jubilation Lee School for Extraordinary Youth, where it's just this big campus, um, one in probably North, Car- North Carolina, North California, um, and a branch in Wakanda. Like, I want... Take these kids... Because it seems like everything in the Marvel Universe has to happen in New York or near it. One, Jubilee is from California. So I'd have something there. But then, you know, she's a vampire and all that sun and sunny California and all that. Let's just send her to Wakanda. One of the most technologically advanced nation on the planet. Get us... Let us have a campus somewhere in the hills... Um, away from, like, Wakanda proper, um, have a relationship with Black Panther and with the community so that we are safe and protected, and let's run the school from there. Like, I don't, I feel like that's one of the safer places to be in the entire Marvel Universe. Like, Wakanda? Mm-mm. And then you're in Africa, of all places. Like, yeah, let's set something there. I'm tired of running around having these adventures and issues in New York when it's like everybody and their mama's in New York. There's no reason that we should be attacked by any monster or evildoer or bad guy and there not be several heroes on top of each other just bumping into us accidentally and getting rid of it for us. Because if we're children at this school, why isn't Spider-Man? Why isn't the Fantastic Four? Why isn't the X-Men? Why isn't anyone helping us since we're in such close proximity to them. But, um, yeah, I'd love to have that. Jubilation Lee School for Extraordinary Youth and um, put her in charge. But I'd also like to see a return to form with uh, Sink, <laughs> Everett Thomas. I want him to be one of the uh, staff members, the headmaster. Also, I would love it if Scott Summers, Corporal Scott Summers, the African-American Scott Summers, uh, would also be brought in to help run the school. Because I feel like with his life experience from one, another um, another timeline, and having personally went through the Civil War before being brought to this timeline, that's, that's history that you just can't, you can't um you can't buy that type of history. It's not looking back in a history book that's having first person knowledge of how things were and how things were fucked up prior to getting to this, you know, 2017, which could help in a lot of ways. Like I I feel like 
I don't know, just like if you want to swim, you get a swim instructor. Well, if you're in this fantastical universe, you'd probably go for a mermaid before you'd go for, I don't know, uh, a random, I don't know, um, seaman or sailor or whatever. Um, all that being said, Husk, bring her back because uh, I believe she's deceased and Sink is deceased. Um... But bring them back. So, Jubilation Lee School for Extraordinary Youth. Uh, Jubilee is the 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 principal, the top dog, the dean. Then you got Sink, Corporal Scott Summers, Husk, and also go to Age of Apocalypse and get Blink. Blink was one of the original Generation X um, kids when they first were captured before the series began. But she died like within those first couple issues before Generation X actually started. She has teleportation powers. She was also in the um Days not Days of Yeah, Days of Future Past X Men movie. Um they made her Asian in the movie, but shoot, make her Asian in the books too. Or keep her with her purple skin. But have them running the school. I would love that. Like that mix, I think that's an interesting mix of characters uh, with different life experiences from different realities that would uh, give some perspective on, you know, a, a different point of view on some things that are going on, even if we're, we're not going to ground it in regular reality now and deal with stuff like the Trump administration and all that. But hell, I say, why not? These kids at this school would be the millennials, the generation after Generation X, the social media generation or whatever they're classified as. Give me social issues to deal with with this book. Yeah, we have the mutant powers and we have the fantastic whatever, but I would also open the school to not just mutants, but um, family, siblings of mutants. Because, hell, every time somebody gains some power or someone wants to hurt another person, they always go after your family. Well... What a better thing to do than to have your sibling right there with you learning how to fight, learning how to uh, take care of him or herself. And even if it's not, um, say, like a power thing, at least if I know I'm in a space where um, my my brother has, I don't know, power to fly and super strength, well, I might not be able to match him. But at this school, I'd get better tutoring in how to combat him and people like him. So, yeah, I'm a human with no powers, but what is it that I can do? What can you teach me that's going to help me in the long run when it comes to the ultimate battle of having to fight a mutant? Because you know, <laughs> you know good damn well living in the Marvel Universe, there's always going to be a threat. There's always going to be some big robot or some crazy villain or just a superhero fight going wrong where you have to deal with the consequences and you're a human which i don't understand why there's not a series about that or something mentioned about that already because hell that <laughs> seems like that's the next step but um yeah give me something dealing with social issues well one give me an arc where uh sync returns home you know the ferguson stuff happened how interesting would it have been to have had a book about a black character going back to his hometown of St. Louis and dealing with what was going on in Ferguson. You know, um, with the nature of his mutant power, you don't have to focus on um, any mutant anything. Like with the with the, uh, um, the front lines with the police and their tanks and their um, rubber bullet guns and all, all, everything that went on that I lived through via uh, social media and TV put him right there smack dab in the middle of it and see how is he dealing with it because you not only have the issue of being a mutant but you have the issue of being a black man and what happens when you when those two cross and what happens when they when the two of them have nothing to do with each other where you can't fix one with the other you can't fix what happened in ferguson with your mutant power so even though you're hated for being a mutant at this point you're hated just for being black so where 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 do you go from there? You know, that that would have been a nice maybe one or two uh, issue storyline where he deals with being on the front line. And it doesn't have to always be a pleasant, happy ending because that's not what we got when Ferguson happened. So, you know, it could end with him not knowing what to do or deciding to stay for a while or 
dealing with feeling helpless because you have all of this power, but he's a person who his power is dependent upon the person who's nearest to him. So, I don't know, I just think that <laughs> you can relaunch Generation X and use them as that social justice or just... <sighs> I clearly I love this book, but I think that that would be a good use of these characters, um, just like with um, with Paige Husk. She's from Kentucky, I believe. Well, you know, with this new administration we have, she's not just a mutant from Kentucky; she's a woman, you know. And then white women, uh, I think, voted. I forget the percentage, but they are the cause of Trump becoming president. How does she reconcile with that? Because her being a Southern white woman, there's no doubt that some of her family would be Trump supporters. Yeah, they're not wealthy. Um, or I think they are. I think they have like a lot of land. Um, but they're not traditionally wealthy like, um, you know, like the Rockefellers and all that. But how does she reconcile with being a mutant, being around her mutant um family essentially and then um the way the world looks at them and at her just for being you know born a certain way and then dealing with the family or the community that has embraced this new administration where she is not only just a mutant she's a woman now how do you deal with the 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 ideas and um the the new regime when you're um the privilege that you have does not exclude you from the uh, the negativity and the the um, attacks that you're going to get from this new government. You know, like give me that story. Like I just think it's so much you can do with that. And uh, a jubilee school with these four as headmasters and headmistresses, ah, just amazing you know you got the former gen x members you have the uh the time displaced headmaster uh you have the vampire dean of admissions and dean of the school like that's perfect but um i mean if that's too much too deep too whatever keep everything the same change the arcs or whatever but also bring in this younger generation and i didn't I like the idea that Generation X is this team book of young kids and they're all from the 616 and they're all just trying to, um, you know, survive and learn about their powers. But this is the fantastical where you can do whatever you want to. Me personally, I'm taking the same the same idea of the uh, the, the Jubilation League School, the same uh, headmasters and headmistresses, but I'm bringing in children of... Um, different timelines and children of different X-Men like give me two teams where Artie and Leech were already um, wards of Generation X back in the 90s early 2000s bring them back bring me the teenage Artie and Leech what do they look like this green and pink little boy look these two green and pink boys who grew up you know with Generation X essentially well they've been kids for years give me their teenage version and what happens with them Leech is able to cancel out your powers. Um, it it was once stated where it was just it just happened. Then um, as he got older and got more um, training with his powers, he was able to focus on a particular mutant and cancel out their powers. Give me that. That's an amazing idea. That is lost on the wayside. Where is he now? Bring him back into continuity and do this. Um, Leech uh, Artie. I think he could only, he couldn't speak, he could project his thoughts kind of through emojis before there were emojis, like in the sky. I don't think he had a secondary power. I could be wrong, but hell, even if he doesn't, come up with one. Let him walk through walls. Let him, you know, phase like Shadowcat. Or or that, or that don't. You know, let him be the analog for differently able people and how you... Um, maneuver through society on your own and with friends and then the differences that um, that arise between the, the, the two and then also he presents as Leech does and they look so similar but they do have that human form well what happens when you're around others and you don't 
you're not one of the privileged mutants who um present as just human like we know there's something different about you when we see you and then the relationship between Artie and Leech like two differently abled at least in the way that they look mutants like and then how do you two your friendship and your the closest that you have versus it's the us versus them situation is it an us versus them or are we now in the Marvel universe to the point where seeing a mutant is not a big deal you may still hate these people, but you know they exist, and you know that they're constantly around. You know there's some that look like you and some that don't. These just happen to be two who don't. Uh, what else should we have? Oh, um, Nicole and Claudette. They're two twins. Uh, M, Monet St. Croix, her two younger siblings. One of them is uh, autistic, and the other one isn't, but they both have, like, kind of mildly scarlet witch powers where they can you know manipulate certain things um they can join together to become one person the, the story writes itself Artie, leash nicole claudette and i don't know if i'm saying this correctly but syrian mccoy syrian mccoy is hank mccoy beast and um cecilia reyes um their child in an alternate timeline so you have beast who had a kid with Cecilia Reyes, who is a black Puerto Rican, like, <coughs> excuse me, and he physically presents as um, a little brown boy. He has blue hair from his father that um, even as I can think a 12, 13 year old grows from his face in a way that is kind of mature for his age. But he has the same powers, physical powers as his uh, father. How interesting would that be? Like, give me that book. Or hell, if you want to go even deeper, give me um, Charles Lyncher. Charles Lyncher is the psychic baby um, born of Rogue and Magneto in the Age of Apocalypse. Little blonde-haired boy. Um, cute little kid. Where is he at? Give me him. Uh, Francesca McCoy, who is uh, the second-born child of um, Hank McCoy, Beast, and Cecilia Reyes. Give me Nocturne, Nocturne, don't know if I'm saying that right either, but it's the baby of um, Nightcrawler and Scarlet Witch from another timeline. She looks just like her father. Her hair, however, looks like locks or, or, or braids, like it's not regular, well, in a lot of pictures they've looked that way, um, but give me her. Shogo jubilee's baby give me him in his uh adolescent uh preteen form give me um the twins there are two twin girls who storm had her and the black panther they had two two babies and they were the youngest of all of their kids and marvel never gave them a backstory they never even named these two girls like so there that's a blank slate where you can do whatever you want with them they're just two brown girls with little white afros they look like their mother and they're princesses but you know they'll never be queen or whatever because they're the youngest out of so many of the kids then um like there's there's so many things you can do with that and i'm like man this is like a failed opportunity marvel has all these different mutants and different timelines just hanging out there and to my knowledge there's no book where you've had children of x-men from different realities all in one book under the tutelage of one two three or four different people like working on that dream it's always been oh we got to get these people together to kill these 10 xaviers we got to get these people together to save this world from crumbling we got to get these people there just let them come together and be kids at a school and see what you get from that not even just with the different dynamic and power sets but the different being the offspring of different x-men and x-villains of alternate realities like that's something interesting to play with because you have um i believe rogue and rogue and magneto had a baby of course they have um charles lyncher but there is another baby um rogue and rogue and magneto's had another kid and 
he inherited the mag the magnetism powers, but he also had the um the inability to touch and he was much more darker and brooding than this Charles baby. Like so you both have the same parents but different timelines. What how does that work? Then you have um Scarlet Witch and uh Nightcrawler having a baby. Well, that's cute, but then in this reality, Scarlet Witch and Nightcrawler have never been together. Scarlet Witch and Vision have fell in love with each other. So what happens when maybe one of Vision kids shows up and there's parent teacher conference day <laughs> and you have uh Scarlet Witch, Nightcrawler and Vision <laughs> all in the same room, three parents of two different kids like I don't know. I just think that there's a lot you can do. Um but that's just my little fan fiction there because there is going to be a Generation X book starting with the Resurrection line, I believe, in April where um, I've been deliberately not looking at any information about this book because I want I love it so much, the original Generation X. I don't want to read ahead. I want to be surprised by everything. But I believe that um, Jubilee will be either a headmaster or a team leader she'll have some form of authority in this new book and i know from the cover that bling will be in that book as well so um yeah that's 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 that i'm uh, i'm gonna leave it there because all this generation x appreciation is just spilling out of me if you can't tell i'm so freaking excited and uh i hope y'all is too but um once the solicits drop if they haven't already everybody pre-order and and put on your pull list that generation x book i want it to be a success that's assuming that it's um it's good it'll never be that first run but you know it could be something great and i'm hoping so because uh i'll be the first to be heartbroken if i open that book and it's straight trash (laughs) shoot man if you couldn't tell uh so um you know well this has been another issue of the carefree black nerd podcast (laughs) um we're gonna keep this conversation going um if you love generation x as much as i do as much as i do i do i do then then email me at carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com hit me up on the twitters uh, at carefreeblurred live tweet with me when you listen to these episodes give me a quick little live tweet you know hey i hear you you know i agree with this i didn't agree with that you're funny here you're not funny there you know whatever um tumblr carefree black nerd instagram carefree black nerd uh shoot and meet me back here same nerd time and station and all that good stuff oh and before i forget as if i could forget I'm uh, currently reviewing Riverdale, the CW uh, reboot of the Archie comics. Make sure you check that in the feed somewhere. And um, shoot, get ready for, I guess, review season. Because I believe Legion is coming up pretty soon, too. So we're going to see if we can't get in there and knock out a couple episodes or two. So, um, you know, just uh, always stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky, and uh, come back. 